a word I've been really loving recently and leaning into is enthusiasm. I think we're all searching to be enthusiastic about something. And so once I start to, you know, gain some enthusiasm towards something, I just keep pulling on that string a little bit and then see where it lands. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes, business owners, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for optimizing not only your performance, but also your habits and routines as well. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Today, I have the pleasure of going on for a great trail run and then also doing the podcast with Mike Adela. Perfect. There we go. Nailed it. Mike Adela, he's a leading men's performance coach and elite athlete based in Boulder, Colorado. He's done a lot of crazy things, including a 315-pound single-arm overhead squat, holds the world uh, record for most weight lifted by Turkish get-up in one hour, and uh, a bunch of other craziness. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so the first thing I want to kick off with is a quote you have on your website and ties to kind of Stoic philosophies from Marcus Aurelius is the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. So I guess that's a good way to kind of leap off a little bit of your personal philosophy. We talked about it a little bit on the trail run, but how you, how you view, I guess, especially with your clients, personal development and I guess your personal philosophy on identifying the self and personal identity in a, in a society that's so focused on kind of conformity and external opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, before we get started on that, yeah. my Turkish get-up record is broken, and so but I can we're no just going to ignore it. that. <laughs> but I just want to call it. I don't want to be claiming be I have the record, yeah. but I'm set, um, I'm gonna come back for either that yeah. one or a different one. But I think a lot of times it's based on perspective, right? We're all searching for a different kind of perspective within our life, and that is, you know, given to us based on our life experiences, and so understanding how my perspective has been molded from prior experiences and then is that molding or perspective or mindset continuing to you know allow me to live the life that i truly want to lead and so i mean your question's a big one because it gets into how do i know that this is something that i truly desire versus this is something that has been projected onto me or is something that um I'm judging myself on based on the outside world um, versus like a true connection with what I want inside my heart. Yeah, it kind of reminds me on the way up here, as, as I mentioned to you, I've been getting more and more into uh, West philosophy and working through all the different schools of thought. And one that I'm got some books in the mail, they're all very dense, but it's uh, the, the school of thought is uh, phenomenology. And it kind of talks a lot about subject and object. Sub- subject being like, you know, our own consciousness, how we perceive the world and experience it because, you know, like we can look at things very scientifically and objectively if this is how it is. And I guess how I'm tying that in is a lot of times I think we look at ourselves as like this object and we try and look and see and objectify, you know, what our value is and if we should kind of fit in a line with society rather than looking at our own, you know, introspective uh, experiences and, and kind of see, you know, where do we find our authentic self, like you said, and, and how does this relate to what we actually want out of life? And, you know, one question I have too is, do you feel like you've always been this kind of introspective person or ha- ha- what led you down this road to where, you know, you're obviously coaching uh, men and women at this point, but I don't know, I think my own journey has has shaped over the years as I've become to know know myself more, know what I want more. I guess I'm trying to get a, a kind of insight into your journey through that mm-hmm. and I guess journey into defining your own identity and figuring out what you want out of life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a moment when I was in my early twenties when I was living, it was actually right after college. Yeah. So I guess early twenties when I was so confused on what I wanted to do. I was, mm-hmm. I didn't know, should I go to, to a GA position? Should I go work as a strength and conditioning coach? Like where should I live? What should I do? It's like, every option seemed available. I mean, not every option seemed like a path that I could grow towards. And I came so overwhelmed. I was worrying all the time and it was eating me up inside. I was constantly Googling what's the best place to live in the United States. What's the best job for someone in my position? What's the best job for someone that had, you know, this master, this like degree or whatever. And I was constantly looking outside of myself to figure out how I should lead my life. And around that time, I started getting involved with more personal development, and I was managing and co-owning a gym, and we were about to open up a second space, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just, I had read a book called Radical Honesty, mm-hmm. which is essentially, we all wear this proverbial mask within our lives, 
and that mask is based on our perception of how we want the outside world to to perceive us mm. um but it, essentially you're putting on performance non-stop yeah. to different people at all at all times and it becomes really overwhelming and puts you pulls you away from who you truly are and so i've thought to myself you know i love working on the gym i love helping athletes get bigger faster stronger mm. i love pe helping people become more embodied but what i really love is like what happens in between the sets and the reps? What happens between the workouts? Like mm -hmm. what are the deeper questions that people are asking themselves in their life and that I'm asking myself? And so it set me off to um, what I called an alternative graduate studies program where I traveled the world studying yeah. all things that were interesting to me and had to be really honest with myself that that is the direction that I wanted to take my life and move away from, you know, what seemed like an amazing life at the time i was gonna mm -hmm. buy this like fancy new car maybe gonna buy a house gonna be owning these gyms be young 20 something year old in new york yeah. like feeling like the man yeah. but it's not truly what i wanted and so um that really is kind of like what really kick-started that and that was a huge like first development in mike self-love bank account yeah. and <clears throat> for i mean i just had a backpack and just traveled stayed at hostels was super you know mm -hmm. cheap did it but that belief in myself and that huge action towards that really catalyst um, a lot more of that introspective practice and then wanting to share that with other people from you know the over a decade ago it was yeah yeah I, I think you nailed it because I think we've all experienced that what some people experience it as like a midlife crisis uh, but a lot of people experience it right out of either high school or college right where they the world is their oyster and everything is an opportunity and it's almost overwhelming and anxious because it leads to a lot of anxiety because people are kind of at a loss. This is the first point of their life where they are in the driver's seat. You know, a lot of times your parents sign you up for sports as a kid. You follow public education. You're going to the classes you're supposed to. You're doing everything you're supposed to. And even a lot of people go to college just because they're supposed to, not even because they want to or because they're interested in this major. And once they graduate, it's like, wait, now it's up to me now it's my time and I have all these different options and areas and directions I could go and it's it is overwhelming and I think people when they are faced with that dilemma they force themselves almost like a uh, square into a circle hole right where they they try and force and mold themselves into you know the job that they're supposed to have or buy the things they're supposed to buy or do the things they're supposed to do or you know what job's going to make me the most income Instead of taking the time to realize, you know, at, at 22, 25, whatever it is, 40 years old, you don't have to automatically decide this is who I'm going to be and, and I'm going to be this thing forever. You can take the time. I forget the whole term you used, but I loved it because it is this time to kind of explore the world, explore yourself, find your interests and be okay that you have multiple interests, right? And not define yourself by like one identity or one singular uh, activity or, or being or job or place you go to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is a lot of the work that I do as a performance coach now and yeah. um, I was using a word that I have and, and you used another one um, that I have an ear out for like and I hear it every single day and probably talk about this concept all yeah. day and it's around the idea of ownership but through yeah. the language that we either express out of our mouths or in our ears and it's the word should yeah. or supposed to mm -hmm. and all those are based on an outside expectation of what the world yeah. is putting onto us whether we're getting that through an ad whether we're getting that through um, standards you know our or, parents yeah. our friends like standards like anything and yeah. so when you eliminate that word should from your vocabulary like literally never let yourself utter the word should ever again your whole life and every time you want to say should or supposed to um, you can get kind of sneaky around the should but you get the idea yeah. you insert the words want or don't want and what that does is immediately forces you to take ownership over your, your yeah. experience. It gives you ownership over your language, yeah. then over your actions, and ultimately over your life. And so that's a small thing that's not small because, again, we're inundated with outside expectations. We're inundated with podcasts that we're listening to even now. Mm -hmm. Like The last thing I want to do is tell anyone what they should do. <laughs> My job as a coach is to help illuminate yeah. you as an individual to be the most actualized and honest version of yourself you know you can't be the best version of yourself all of the time but i think the most honest is the best and so um, being mindful of where you're getting those inputs that are putting the outside expectations on yourself and then developing a really solid filter on how to work through those and then how to you know put that filter against what are my own truths and desires i think that makes a lot of sense uh yeah because if you're always living in and should 
how could you possibly be living in or living in accordance with what you want to be in, in your authentic self? Cause it is kind of, it's, it's contrary to live internally if you're trying to live along the terms of purely external with your coaching and, and all the clients you've worked with over the years, where do you find that, you know, we could talk about men specifically or just people in general, but where men are getting stuck at as far as, making this change or where what is the I guess the common problems you hear people see why you know they can't actually live out their authentic self or or the the big clear problems and mistakes they're making if that makes sense maybe that's too broad no I mean listen everyone has their own um, lens on the world right like their own perspective and so my job is to jump into my client's shoes see how they see the world and then help illuminate certain like blind spots or shadow aspects so that they can see things in a different light and oftentimes we're we're scared right there's a lot of fear that if i make this change if i leave this job if i leave this relationship if i break up with this friend my life's over like it's gonna be such a huge flash or you know not flashback, but like pushback. On so it's that. almost like they tie these uh, constants in their life. If if one, you know, uh, it's like a Jenga pu- or Jenga tower, right? If one block gets pulled, they feel like everything's crumbling. That's a great analogy. You know, like you kind of build up or a lot of people will build up their identity based on like where they live, who they're yeah. friends with, what job they have, how much money they yeah. have. And if you pull out one of those things, it crumbles yeah. based on or rather than building the foundation on who you are as an individual and mm-hmm. what your values and morals are. Yeah. And then ba- on top of that, you can stack whatever you want. And mm-hmm. if it falls, it doesn't fall really far because you can just pick up something else. Yeah. It's almost like building it, building a Jenga tower off the single pieces and it's like a weak base. Right. Exactly. So what we're trying to do is build like a strong, strong, firm base. How often do you hear the excuse, you know, in, in relation to a lot of these obligations and experiences people have of the whole kind of, make it a Broadway time, family or work obligation excuse where it's like, I don't have time to either, either work out or making these changes is hard because my wife isn't like maybe as supportive as she could be, or could be a family members, you know, uh, counteractive to what they're trying to do. And how do you approach that response and that almost defense mechanism people give out? Yeah. I've received that response all the time, all the time. every day. <laughs> right. And I appreciate you bringing it up yeah. because you know, I can talk about it really enthusiastically and break things down so they seem simple, which I think is important. We need to be able to understand it. But, um, you know, the key is getting, helping people really get clear on like, is that, what is my, what is the thing that's blocking me? What is really stopping me from that? And if it's time, let's look at your calendar. Like, you know, we'll say, show me your calendar, I'll show you your values, right? And so open up your calendar or we see how you're spending your most valuable asset, your time every single day. And if it's on YouTube or or Facebook or Instagram or, you know, drinking alcohol or watching porn or hanging out with friends that you don't really have a deep connection with or whatever it is, now we eliminate all of those things, which is the first step in any type of peak performance is creating the space for it first. And then now all of a sudden we can see, wow, I have, you know, 15 hours a week, like that comes out to over a month, a year that people can free up within their life when they just really, really audit their time. Well, the the problem is most people are very dishonest with themselves. Right. And I've experienced this a ton with period. That's like period podcast over. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. And and one specifically is an easy one is people are so dishonest about what they eat. Right. They're like, I, I should be losing weight. I barely eat anything, right? That's you hear that all the time if you you know personal training with clients. Like I'm 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 not snacking. I'm not doing this and that. And then if you have them actually write down or track in my fitness pal what they're really eating, you're like, oh, you went to Tropical Smoothie and had an 800 calorie you know smoothie, or oh, that drink at Starbucks you get you know every other day is like 600 calories. It's more like a milkshake. It's it's you know like you mentioned. I think people are very i don't even know how else to describe it. i think it's the perfect word dishonest about how they spend their time and even i think you know as i'd like to maybe this is unfair to characterize us both but i'd like to say we're both productive people we still have both things that distract us and we're not perfect obviously and we have areas that we could even improve upon um so it's it's always good to like you said run that audit of yourself and figure out okay you know am i being honest with myself how how can i either strip 
things that are non-essential away and, and replace them with more essential or, uh, you know, ideal things and habits. Yeah. I think it's a real, that's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. Right? It requires a very strong ego, a very strong sense of self. Yeah. Because if your self is wrapped up in these things, then you strip them away and you're like, you're at a loss of identity yeah. and then you can fall into like, you know, getting anxiety, depression, etc. And so that's why it can be really helpful to have either a great friend, a, a coach, someone that is like non-objective in your life, doesn't have you know, isn't emotionally invested in, in you. They just want to help you mm -hmm. grow and can kind of just put the facts as honestly out on the wall as possible. And then you can see, oh, wow, I am eating. I am overeating. Mm -hmm. Like I, I recently did that. I've never tracked my food before. Mm -hmm. I've always just ate for performance. Yeah. And um, I got my fitness pal and tracked my macros. Dude, the first week I was like, whoa, I am overeating like a machine yeah. like there's no wonder like yeah. you know maybe i don't have the aesthetic goals i might want to achieve and yeah. so just the awareness of that now i'm like oh my gosh great now i know at least i know when i'm overeating or when i'm messing up but you take that same analogy and put it into your mindset like how can you track your mindset you know exercise i use with some of my clients is a mindset log anytime that they have internal dialogue come up they need to pull that log out and write it down and then we reflect on that after a week and can see, okay, let's look at some of the aspects of your life that have like hit that mindset. Mm -hmm. But because if I ask a lot of people, how's your mindset? They're going to say, it's good. I'm like, okay. You know, like it's all right. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I struggle, mm -hmm. but we don't know when that is. Then it's going to be a lot harder to change it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like anything, right? Like the more you can track and take observation take notice of, of the things you're experiencing, the more you can be aware of how to like manipulate those down the road. One thing I want to get your opinion on is, uh, especially as a coach, and because this can be very popular on Instagram, is on affirmations. And the idea of affirmations versus uh, evidence, because you know, I've seen uh, Alex Ramosi post about this and talk about this to where you know, he's not a huge fan of the more general affirmations that are like, uh, I am strong or I am a king or I am, you know, these kind of more generic or cliche things. And he's, he says, you know, more so you're going to instill that and instill a stronger mindset, more confidence when you have reason to, when you have evidence. Like, for example, if, if you think, you know, you're, you're productive or great, well, just saying it doesn't do anything. But if you, you know, like we talked about, take the steps to exercise consistently, audit your time take actual physical steps and create, you know, evidence of look how these changes I've made, then you can say that with more confidence because you can, you actually deep down believe it. So I guess, how do you use or don't use affirmations? How do you view them? What are your thoughts on that whole uh, conundrum? Yeah. So I like, um, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. I'll quote him here. Be about that action boss. Yeah. I like that. Okay. <laughs> so when he was in the Super Bowl, yeah. they want to interview him and he just didn't have anything to say because he was like, my actions on the field speak um, anything yeah. that I have to say. And so your actions directly correlate to your confidence, which is what people do affirmations for. They yeah. want to gain confidence. And so I think it can be helpful to hear, like to have someone that really believes in you, like yeah. that feels good. But the best, the goal is to believe in yourself. So you don't need those things on the outside. And the best way you gain self-belief is like you just mentioned through action. Mm-hmm. What, especially, you know, either personally with you or with clients, you know, what are your thoughts on this idea? It kind of, you can really go in a million direction with it, but this idea of becoming, right? And finding purpose and fulfillment in becoming. And this is like a concept that's talked about in a lot of existentialist writing, but, but just in general, you know, personal development, how we're constantly in this, in this area of evolution, right? Where our bodies are never constant, our minds are never constant, we're always emotionally changing, we're always experiencing different stimuli. So I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on that idea of perpetual becoming and, and this, I guess, never-ending cycle of evolving as a human being and being okay with that journey? Because I guess to tie it in, a lot of times we kind of want these quick fixes to our our mindset, but really it's years and years of picking up on different books or ideas that shape us into who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's what timeline are you living your life on? Is it hours and days, days and weeks, weeks and months, mm -hmm. months and years or years and decades. And the most successful people that I know live their life in years and decades. They look at things on a different time scale. And so when we think about our problems, like just the lens of how we think about something like time, 
can be really helpful because if we're thinking about it on a shorter term there's a lot of pressure and then we're we're always in that catch-up mode we're always trying to become ourselves or grow into ourselves and it's leads to you know an overwhelming feeling Mm -hmm. versus you know it's allowing the space for it you know my partner kelly has a great great quote that she say you know i want to create a pace for more space in my life and so i love that one and it's um it's so true it's you know we can't force things into existence we have to allow them into existence and create the space and environment for that to happen and so from that then being able to reflect on it then you can really not i guess become create the life and the individual that you want to become i want to pick up off on that and uh you know especially when it comes to shifting to different interests and and this idea of becoming is uh one thing you posted about earlier this week was being comfortable feeling stupid and and being comfortable uh, not knowing or or having that beginner mindset so i guess you want to expand upon the value of having that you know uh, novice or humble attitude towards different interests or or areas of life Mm -hmm. yeah i think the beginner's mindset or in um japanese language shoshin is like such an important quality in order to be really successful and when i mean successful i just mean like feeling successful in whatever it is that you want to do and enjoying the process you know if you have you think of a young kid they are everything is new to them right or a lot of things are new to them and they're so engaged and present in the moment and I think the greater we can be maintain presence within the moment, then the greater we can experience our life. And so if I can look at things for like and try to see them for the first time yeah. almost every time, then I can gain a greater experience. Or again, like we talked about in the beginning, that perception mm-hmm. can be can be increased. And so in order to do that, you need to allow yourself to suck at something. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, for lack of a better word. Or to yeah. be able to be humble by it or to be honest yeah. by that. And that's something that um, is difficult, again, if your self-identity and your ego is built on that Jenga thing of, like, what I do. Because yeah. then now you do something not great, and then you might not feel great. Yeah, and I think you're certainly a master of this in, a, in a terms of and something I'm trying to do is more myself, and I have done over the past few years, is when you have to try so many different sports or different areas and different skills, you have to be humble, right? Because you might be, you know— the best at, at, at doing a squat, but then you go and get into the running world and you're nothing, right? And you have to rebuild yourself from that and, and go in with that beginner mindset. And, you know, then you get into stronger, you get into Turkish get-ups, whatever it is, it, it is a new skill and you might have some base, but you still, you never start off elite and you do have to build that up. And after you do that enough times, you never, when you do get elite, you never have an ego because you, you understand, you have that perspective of a beginner and you kind of retain that no matter what you enter, you know, one thing, do you want to add on that? Or? I mean, I, I'd agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think yeah. it, it, it again requires that, that humbleness, yeah. but it's also like, you don't necessarily have to suck at things. Yeah. Like, so exactly. I was saying that before and I wish I didn't say it that way. Cause I think if you can have a mindset of curiosity, then yes, you're just yes. curious about it. And yes. when you're curious or you're practicing something, then you never have to be perfect at it. Yeah. I mean, I love the saying of practice everything. Right? Mm-hmm. I try to practice everything, how I brush my teeth. I practice the dishes. I practice how I tie my shoes. I practice mm-hmm. putting on my clothes. I also practice weightlifting and I practice running and I practice coaching. I practice my whole life. Yeah. And that what that does for me mentally is... I'm constantly evolving and I can get yes. better and it bring more presence to something versus like just doing it. Cause yeah. when you just do it, you just get it done and you can't actually enjoy that experience. And there's a lot of things in life, like doing the dishes that we don't necessarily like to do, mm-hmm. but if you practice it, it can become more of a meditative type of experience yeah. that can add a lot of value to your life. Yeah. I like that. I think, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's not just a perspective of, uh, you know, okay, I suck at something, but it is a perspective of, uh, I, I guess appreciating that there is no end goal and that it is a perpetual everlasting cycle of, of development or, you know, how can I get better? How can I enjoy this more, do this more, whatever it is. So I think that that leads into a good thing that we talked about uh, on our run that I want to get into is this idea of, you know, we are very fixated on goals and I think goals are extremely important for a variety of reasons, but there are some negative consequences of them when they are tied to, you know, 
this long-term income that you say, you know, this, once I hit this income, then I'll be good. Or I hit this certain squat, then I'll be good. Or I get this certain job or I get this certain point in your life, then you'll be good. But in reality, it's like, once you, you reach that point, you, you know, your almost purpose and fulfillment, happiness can be lost. Cause now you, you've, you've lost that purpose that you were working towards that you were in, in that direction aiming towards. And I guess I'll reference again, the story I told you about where I believe it's a play called Waiting for Godot, and uh, the story is, you know, in a very simple terms, is these two guys sitting on a bench, and they're waiting for this friend, Godot, to, to uh, appear and, and, and meet them there. And in the entire play, uh, one friend is kind of telling him, like, hey, like, you know, why don't we go? Like, it's, it, we've been waiting forever. It's been hours. And then he's like, no, 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 like, Godot's coming. He's like, all right, it's been days. It's, it's like he's not coming. And he's like, no, no, we're waiting for Godot. He's on the way. And it's kind of this idea of just the waiting itself almost becomes the goal rather than actually reaching it. Once you reach it, it's almost like you don't appreciate it as much or, or the, the purpose and the meaning's gone. So I guess what are your thoughts on, on that and kind of our discussion earlier? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the cliche saying too, like the, the journey or it's more about the journey than the than destination. The, yeah, yeah. And it, it's so true. And so a lot of times it's, again, if you have your identity in the goal or in the thing outside of you, yeah. then you're not going to appreciate the, the thing it is to get there. You're just going to try to get there, cut corners, maybe hurt yourself. Maybe. And what I mean by that is like not get a lot of sleep, like yeah. lose touch in some of your relationships, some of the things that are most important to you. You almost got to look at your, at the goal as a vehicle for your own personal development journey. You know, like you're, you're just almost switching into different cars, different goals, different, you know, purposes, interests, experiences as you're on this eventual road that is that never ending road of, of personal development, of, of life, of experience, of becoming, you know, at least that's how I can kind of think of it in a, in a analogical way, I guess. Another thing I want to dive into that we talked about uh, on our run as well, we almost did like a little pre-podcast for the podcast, but it's good, is, uh, being your authentic self on social media, because, you know, we, we've both, you've been in the game a lot longer as, you know, not to put the term on you, influencer game for a while on social media. And it, it can be very rewarding, but at the same time, it can almost incentivize you to not be your authentic self and, and brand deals and money and likes and follows can be very tempting, especially with, you know, reels experience or, or recently I've experienced it to where, you know, I, I really enjoy taking a really nice, solid photo, putting a very reflective, uh, you know, interesting, well-written caption in there. But that doesn't get many likes these days. It is <laughs> reels to trending audios. It is fast, upbeat stuff. And, uh, you know, it's something I've had to reflect on is, you know, w- where do I want to exist along social media? Do I want to be on the trendy side? Do I want to chase these followers? Or do I want to be, you know, completely myself and not be absorbed at all by uh, hype or, you know, cloud or all these different things that are incentivizing me where the money's at? So with that long preamble, what are, what are your thoughts on, you know, social media and being yourself and finding your your route within it? Yeah, I think it depends on what it is that you're using it for. Yeah. Like, that's what I ask myself, why am I using social media? Like, what is the what is it doing for, for me? Mm-hmm. And if it's doing something for like my ego, for me personally, then it's something to look at. That's mm-hmm. helpful, um, which it has in the past. Um, but now I look at, I call it service media. So I try to put out things that can help other people, things that I've learned along my, along, you know, my path or from my coaching experience or my clients have learned and just share that out. And I try to not really like, I obviously want it to reach more people because yeah. then it can help more people. Yeah. But there is a, a delicate balance or it's not even delicate. It's just a line of like, um, am I doing this cause I want to serve people or am I doing this because I want to get, I want it to you know, receive a ton of different likes or, or, or whatnot. I think that's perfect. As simple as it sounds, asking the question, why, why am I doing this? And that, that can be, for anything in life, honestly, all the things we talked about could be like, why, what is my, what is my purpose for doing this habit for, for exercise, for whatever. And you can get a lot of answers. I think just out of asking that question, reflecting on it, but especially with social media and like, why am I on this? Is it, is it for a brand? Is it for financial reasons? And if so, like you said, you know, you can, 
recognize that and, and make sure that reflects in your content and treat it as a business, treat it as a brand. But like you said, if it is, you know, more to serve people or it is, you know, maybe just to share with friends and family or just for you personally, maybe it's just a personal diary. A lot of times I tell people, even if you don't want to like post for other people or become an influencer, just almost using it as like a hard drive and looking back on either training clips or, or moments of your life, it's a good way to look at that. Right. And so I, I think I like that. I like as simple as it sounds like the first thing you said, it was just reflecting on why. So another thing that you do a lot of work in, and uh, I have like no knowledge besides like the, you know, knowing what the term I guess is, but flow state. Right. And I think you did some specialized or formalized training, right. With uh, somebody on flow state. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, so I guess walk us through what drew you to flow state, your experience with, you know, getting that, uh, you know, accreditation and describe what flow state even is basically. Yeah. So flow state's a term that comes from positive psychology and positive psychology is essentially, um, human, the art, the science and art of human flourishing. So taking someone who's like, life's pretty good. Like I, a lot of my clients will feel like, yeah, I'm like, it's like 70, 80%, like things are pretty good, but things could be better. And I don't know how to close that gap from good to great. And so um, inserting positive psychology in there is a, you know, what I do as a performance coach, a peak performance coach. And so flow state is that state where you're completely engaged in the moment when you're maybe running downhill and the skills that you have meet the challenge that's ahead of you. So you're completely, again, singularly focused on the task at hand. A lot of times we'll think about it with athletes mm -hmm. or musicians or people who are performing because they are need to be as completely focused as possible. But a lot of the work that I do with people is helping them get into flow state in their everyday life, in their job. Like I talked about before, when you're practicing something, you're bringing more presence. You can get into flow doing the dishes, brushing your teeth, going for a walk. Is it more eliminating external distractions and, and limiting factors or is it more heightening your ability to perform the act or is it both <laughs> those are kind of the same thing like you That's have true. to eliminate the distraction to be able to enhance the way that you you know perform the act yeah i guess in most cases that probably is the case what are some ways that people can uh, of course this is something you typically have to work with uh, with people like yourself over time but i guess some ways that people could try to uh, trigger or or command their own flow state like some I guess applicable or applicable ways that they can try and take advantage of this right now in a sense any mm -hmm. tips or advice yeah so the easiest definition I like to use is like if you think of a graph and on one axis is the skill that you have and on yeah. the other is the challenge and so if I tell you our workout today is one lap around the block that is going to be too low of a challenge for your skill so you'll become bored but if I tell you our challenges to run up you know mount everest that challenge is too, too much hard, for your skill yeah. and so you become anxious and so i got to give you the or you need to create on your own the um, the correct amount of challenge for the skill that you have so you're engaged in the moment so it's like threading that needle of you know hard enough that it's you know fulfilling and difficult to achieve or because it's difficult to achieve it is fulfilling but not too hard that it's it's you know unachievable when you're you're overextending yourself and, and, and I guess getting nothing out of it. Yeah. yeah. Or distracted. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we'll go back to social media before, yeah. like there is a, a weight, you know, I have this book right here, the chaos machine. Right. Yeah. And it talks a lot about the dangers of social media. Like those companies spend billions of dollars. And I know that this, some of this podcast will be on social media, <laughs> yeah, but a lot of, and attention. a lot of my job yeah. is to help people get off of social media. Yeah. And so, and, and to be more present in their life and the things that are most important to them. Yeah. And I know you're big into philosophy. So like, I think a lot about the memento mori idea of like yeah. remembering you must die. And mm -hmm. you know, on your deathbed, are you going to be upset that you didn't spend more time scrolling on social media? Or are you going to be more upset that you didn't spend time going on that trip with your buddies or leaning into yeah. a relationship with your wife or your kids or your partner? And so when you can look at it kind of from the end back, it really puts things into perspective and helps you change and take action on what's important to you today. That's what I've thought a lot about too. Again, tie things back to earlier topics was, you know, really analyzing, being honest with myself about the content I'm posting as far as, you know, am I going to look back, like you said, years from now, or it could be even weeks and be proud of this advertisement I posted for this other brand 
or am I going to be really proud of this caption where I actually poured out a really important thought or idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's again, knowing what you, what you're trying to get out of it and, and having that broader perspective of a lifetime, like you mentioned way earlier was having that time, that idea, that concept of time, I guess, intermingled and intertwined into that perspective, you know, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Uh, when think it, about think about yeah. that one concept too. Like yeah. when you're, is, is social media or Instagram the best avenue for you to express yourself? Yeah. Right? A lot of work I do with myself and with clients is based on self-expression, mm-hmm. and so the more you can, like, actualize and, like, genuinely express yeah. your thoughts and your feelings, the better you're gonna feel, and so. Social media is just a tool that mm-hmm. is one way of doing it. You have to fit a picture into a box. You have a certain amount of caption on Twitter. You have a certain amount of yeah. your characters. But are those the best way for you or for mm-hmm. me or for John to do that? And a lot of times it's not. It's just allowing yourself to have the creativity and the the curiosity to explore something different. Yeah, to know there's multiple tools, multiple ways to to get to endless yeah. endless i mean i was just on a road trip and we just w- drove by some petroglyphs yeah and like people thousands of years ago were expressing themselves yeah. on rocks we do the same thing now it's just what is the best way ab- of going about that yeah to wrap things up on flow state you uh, mentioned on your website an idea of recovering from flow state and i wanted to get your perspective and i guess like, explanation on that idea because I guess my first instinct would be to think that having that heightened focus and heightened ability, you do need to decompress and deregulate and come down from that. Is that the way that you see it? And why is that important? No way, baby. This America can go full tilt all all day. You do not listen to David Goggins, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, No, we have to. We have to come down. Certain people can have, you know, they can maintain that that flow a little bit longer than others. others, You know, one of my best friends and our friend, Eric Hinman, he's a great example of that. He can maintain flow for a lot longer. And then he does need to recover. I would say average person, most people, myself included, between 60 and 90 minutes is mm-hmm. like where I can maintain deep flow focused work, whether that's yeah. on a client call, on a podcast, on, on something that I'm typing up in a computer. Yeah. And once it starts to get af- longer than that, um, it's going to diminish my ability to come back to flow either later on in the day or the next day. And that's, that's really the key. Like you could push through all day yeah. and stay in it, but there's then consequences. there's consequences. <laughs> yeah. It made me think too, when you talked about, you know, certain, you know, I can hold it for an hour or something like that. It made me think about how I tell my wife, I tell people after four o'clock I'm useless. And it's more because I'm very productive earlier in the day. And it could be for a variety of reasons, energy, sunlight, whatever. But I think it's also important to know, not just know, you know, how to get in your flow state and when to deregulate, but I guess knowing the most optimal times that you can be you or perform certain activities too. That is a huge part of it. I'm glad you brought that up because it's also what you're getting into flow in, right? Like you could be in flow playing video games, which will feel really good and you'll feel very productive and you'll beat the characters and get to different (laughs) levels. But is that going to be... Um, something that you value and you're proud that you did, you know, later on in your life Mm -hmm. and so or pushing you towards your goals. And so a large part, and this is a great thing for people to focus on is when am I cognitively the best that Mm -hmm. I can be? When is my brain like on fire and pushing it to the max? Mm -hmm. And for most people, it's going to be in the morning. There are some people who are like, you know, night owls and it'll be in the evening. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is to ask yourself, well, what am I doing during that time? And so if I would jump out of bed and my brain is on fire or I have some coffee or do my morning routine and I'm like dialed in mm-hmm. and then I go work out at that time, now my workout's going to feel really great. I'm going to feel really like I push myself hard there, mm-hmm. but that might, unless I'm a prefer, unless I'm a professional athlete, like I'm going to be wasting some of my most cognitively mm-hmm. um, productive time on something that isn't necessarily worth it. Yeah. I think it, it really comes down to, I'm sure you work a lot with your, your clients doing this and yourself is structuring your day around when you, you're at your peak ability for certain tasks. Right. So, you know, I'll spend the evenings when I am in a position to where I don't want to be as cognitively stressed, you know? So in the evenings I'll spend time with, you know, wife, I'll, have dinner and and relax, allow myself to have some entertainment, whether it is, you know, a TV show or it is, you know, watching a movie with her or just doing whatever, just talking with her. Something that's less, I guess, cognitively stressful, 
it still requires me to be engaged and be active, but not as much as, let's say, you know, it is not as high stress as work or, you know, workout or something like that. So what I'll do is I'll position and structure my day to where, you know, I told you I'll like read in the morning when I'm most attentive and focused and awake. And then I'll work out after while I have that energy and I'm not thinking about stress or client work later in the day. Then I'll get to that stuff because if I do it too early, then while I'm working out or trying to read, like my mind's squirrely, right? And it's all over the place. So I guess it's like knowing how to how to structure your day in the way that best suits and optimizes the things that you need to get done. Yeah, totally. And there's a there's some cool like science around that. Yeah. On what's best there. Um, one thing I'll say though is, you know, your brain doesn't know the difference between stress at work and a stressful TV show or yeah. a stressful movie. And so a lot of times, That's a good point I, to make. You were just chatting about that, and people will say, "Oh, I just need to like, like downregulate," or I just they won't say downregulate. They'll say, "I just need to like zone out yeah. or drop out," <laughs> yeah. and, and with like a movie relax. or a TV yeah. show or relax. Yeah. And what's happening is they're they're actually not doing that because their brain's focusing on still creating stories and yeah. still doesn't know the difference between a TV show or a business meeting or yeah. a, a, a still stimuli. Yeah. It's still stimulus. Yeah. And so truly getting that down regulation, either through like breath work, meditation, yeah. uh, like a yoga nidra practice, even just a walk without your phone. I was just going to say just else. walking without technology. And that's why I love running too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we briefly took out a phone for a picture on our run today, but for the most part, no technology, nothing in sight. And just, you know, feeling the cold air, feeling our lungs breathing, talking, engaging, and that is, it's it's a great release we don't get too often. Yeah, and it's easier to do with someone else. I mean, yeah. a good audit on yourself is like, when was the last time you went outside for a walk without your phone? Yeah. Like just a walk for like 30 minutes. And even if thinking about doing that, what would what feelings come up? Oh, I'm going to miss out. I'm not going to get something. Yeah. And so I work with a lot of clients who I, I suggest, you know, can you take a 15 or 20 minute walk in the middle of your day? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they can, but mm-hmm. there's a feeling like I need to respond. I need to be on Slack. I yeah. need to get back to that email. And it's, it's understanding that by you allowing yourself to like slow down, yeah. you'll build back up so that when you come back, you can do, do more productive work. Yeah. So now we can get into the athletic side of things. And cause obviously that's a, you know, a big part of both of our lives. And one thing kind of hinted at earlier, but I guess you can expound upon is you've tried just about every sport there is strongman yoga uh, we talked about the turkish get-ups ollie stuff crossfit uh you know ultra running i guess what is your attitude towards trying all these different things is it purely just letting passion fuel all these different avenues or is it you know curiosity or is it just trying to have general fitness and just see you know where your limits lie i guess what are your thoughts on what guides you to to try all these wide variety of different things Hmm, yeah you know i think a word i've been really loving recently and leaning into is enthusiasm yeah i think we're all searching to be enthusiastic about something yeah and so once i start to you know gain some enthusiasm towards something i just keep pulling on that string a little bit and then see where it lands and so it kind of goes back to what we're talking about earlier is the curiosity right i'm just curious on what it would feel like to run 50 miles what it would feel like to lift you know, a certain amount of weight over my head and just stuff that I like, I, I enjoy it. And so I've always, I have always been athletic. I've always liked moving my body. Mm-hmm. I've been a very like kinesthetic kind of individual. And so, um, yeah, I, there's not enough hours in the day for me to do the things that I want to do physically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just I feel like that moving. way a lot of times. I, I definitely, you know, I was telling you earlier, I just have so many interests to a fault to where there just isn't enough time or there aren't, aren't enough, uh, lives and, and you know i guess yeah lives that i can live to pursue all these things independently right so you almost have to draw back and figure out okay well let me pursue this pursue that so like right now i'm on ultra marathon kick you know later on i might get into these different things high rocks or tactical games or whatever before that i was in a bodybuilding so it it really is letting enthusiasm and curiosity to lead the way and i think you know we all have that that childlike curiosity at, when we are a kid but it's almost beaten out of us as we get older. You know, we're, we're, we're almost made to be more realistic, stay in line, follow this path. And I think the more we can let our enthusiasm, as you mentioned, what excites us, what makes us feel alive, letting that lead the way into the interests we pursue. I think we definitely would feel a lot, you know, happier and feel less stuck. 
you know. I mean, I'm almost going to, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because it's so true yeah. how much we allow the outside world to beat us down. Throw, people throw away their lives, letting all, letting an external uh, doubt or expectations control their entire life, and they only realize it by the time they're 50, 60, 70, right? Yeah, I'm hopefully earlier, you know hopefully. what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of, a lot of my clients, um, you know, I have some clients that are in their 70s, but a lot of them are younger, yeah. and then... Um, you know, it's a, there's some grief on that, you know, they, they have to realize that they can't go back and change the past. You know, we're living in the past, you know, creates depression, living in the future creates anxiety. We try to live as much as we can in the present. Um, and so it's, it is really sad when, when we allow the outside world to put those things on us. And that's why a large part of my overall mission on this world is to help people, you know, allow themselves to live the life that they really want yeah. and with physically it's super fun like yeah it's fun to talk about it's light it's it's it's, it's fun whatever. and it's obvious right it's in your face you can you see, see it, it. Yeah. you can also feel it like you're yeah. gonna i'm gonna viscerally feel what it was like to like push 300 pounds yeah. over my head or hold it yeah. whereas if i gain you know like i have this saying like emotional gains and so if i get some emotional gains no one's gonna see it one no one's gonna feel it no one's really gonna care about it except for me or maybe the person i'm having those gains with but that is the thing that's gonna impact my life way more than any amount of weight i could ever lift yeah one thing that you've done specifically and maybe you've always done it but specifically with the past few feats you've done is tying a a cause that's important to you to a feat so with turkish get-ups you tied it to uh, awareness of you know veteran mental health and suicide prevention and with the 82 miles paddleboarding from florida to the bahamas or maybe it's vice versa either way you're 82 miles on paddleboarding you uh, tie that to crossing for cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. so i guess you know what what makes tying a cause so important to you and i guess making sure that you know your physical abilities go more beyond personal achievement and personal recognition and attention and they they go more towards a universal cause yeah i think it doesn't need to be to a specific organization yeah but it's the idea of why are you working on improving yourself or why do you want to challenge yourself and hopefully it's so that you can show up in the world as a better person and then you know from that could be you know linking up with a cause and so for the Turkish get up, my grandfather died by suicide when I was really young. And that had a lot of effect on my family on ways that I never knew at the time. And like, I'm learning about more as I get older. And so I have a lot of, you know, obviously curiosity and care and I'm emotionally invested in that. And so I want to help others, you know, work through that so that they can gain the tools that they want to gain. And so if I can use some of my physicality to help, you know, push this mission the mission 22 which is a great organization that helps veterans then um, why not yeah why not raise awareness at the same time one question i have that uh you know we could probably go in a lot of directions with but that really stands out to me is uh how you operate and act as a role model in fatherhood uh for your girlfriend's son because i think that's something that you know maybe not maybe uh, parents uh, on instagram maybe recognize and appreciate when you're really spending a lot of time and, and throwing him around in the air and, and spending a lot of time with him. But I think it, it's, it really shapes everyone's life, but especially I think young, young boys is having that, you know, having a good, strong folly figure that they can look up to not for what, you know, just strength is, but emotional strength, mental strength, uh, and just having that person to look up to, I, I guess, you know, what, what drives you to, be as involved as you are besides you know having that uh intimate relationship with uh you know his mother what are your thoughts on that that idea of fatherhood and i guess being a role model whether it's biological or not mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm not his biological father yep. and so i'm i'm kind of number three yeah on the list but i've i've really worked for that in a lot of ways yeah. and what i mean by work for it is just showing up as consistently as i can yeah for him because he didn't choose to have me in his life. Yeah. If it was up to him, I probably wouldn't be in his life. I mean, maybe now we have a lot of fun together. And so yeah. he looks forward to, to seeing me, but yeah. it wasn't the case in the beginning. Yeah. And so, um, that's maybe one of the most proud relationships I have is yeah. my relationship with him because of the un- unconditional love that I just pour into him. And he's such a young, sweet, like boy that just yeah. cares and loves the world. And 
um, you know, he's six years old. I met him when he was just five. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to really allow our relationship to grow. And for me, I want to just show up as consistently as I can with him. I want him to feel safe and secure when I'm around. I want to show up, um, you know, as the most not necessarily like, yeah, I want to be honest with him, but it's also, he's six years old. So he doesn't understand if I'm having a bad day, the last thing I'm going to do is take it out on him or even just show it to him. Like as a man, I want to be able to handle that on my own and then come up and show and be consistent in my love and support for him. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe you can explain, uh, you know, maybe the role models you had growing up or your, your father growing up. But I know for me, it was very, it, as you mentioned, when you're a kid, you, you don't really realize the things that your parents are doing or going through or why, the why behind a lot of their actions or, or reactions uh, until a lot later. And so, you know, the more, the more I've been able to reflect on things, especially with, you know, how I have almost adopted the same workaholic uh, attitude and behaviors as my dad, I, I can kind of see how, how much he worked and fought for us. And, and he's really that just traditional stereotype uh, he, he didn't work blue collar, but almost in, in the level of a blue collar worker dad to where, uh, you know, constantly working, never complained about it, always, you know, was trying to make sure that we had food on the table, always made sure that, you know, we had what we needed for, you know, baseball equipment for the game or whatever. Just always, you know, putting, I guess, us first and like you said, showing up. And it, it sometimes it's hard to appreciate those things later on, but it really does, especially in those like foundational years um, like, like he's in now, it really plays a factor. I think how they continue to grow up and develop and what they, how they, especially even, you know, when it comes to how you interact with Kelly, right? He, he's seen how to treat a woman, how someone's going to treat his mother. Mm-hmm. And it, it, those things just have such a big impact years and years down the line with how they behave and what they expect out of, you know, future partners or people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of times, what you mentioned are they're easier to understand things, right? It's not always easy to put food on the table. It's not always easy to have the equipment. But one thing that I really strive for with REM is making sure that, you know, I'm there for him emotionally and I can be there for him in those types of ways where, you know, depending on where he is neurologically as he's growing up and his brain's evolving, like allowing him the space to be a kid and not putting my own projections or, insecurities or annoyances on him like yeah. a great example letting him be a clean slate yeah every day clean slate and he gives me that he's yeah. like a clean slate like you know and so if i'm on a, if i'm having a rough day and then he comes home and is having a rough day the last thing i want to do is take my rough day out on him yeah i want to be able to be there to allow him the space to have his own experience yeah and that that is the strength that um I'm really proud of that, that I continue to grow with him. Yeah. And even show him how to handle those, you know, tough moments or situations, you know? Yeah. Well, Mike, we talked about, I I enjoy that we talked about more than just fitness because I'm sure you've talked about (laughs) fitness on plenty of podcasts. And I I certainly have had so many athletes on my podcast. It was good to get a lot beyond that, get more emotional, spiritual mindset, all these different things. And I think there's tons of practical uh, tidbits and, and advice that people can take out of this. So I appreciate uh, you taking the time and us, us getting to meet in person and, and chat about all this. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Of Thanks course. for coming to my home. Of course. Being able to run some of my local trails with me. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, Good people, times. people can find me on my website, mikeidella.com, um, and on social media, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to put more information out on my website and then through a newsletter. Yeah. Um, you can sign up for my newsletter at the website. Is um, it Mike dot? Adela? That's my Instagram, yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. it wasn't just word for word. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, like usual, if you guys got something out of this, please subscribe to the show, uh, share it with a friend, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.